0: Have you ever heard a story or a case that just fuels fear within you? Sure, we talk about some awful gruesome things from week to week, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about wrongful conviction, being trapped alone and scared with no way out and no light at the end of the tunnel. Sure within yourself that truth will win out, but not completely certain. I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on The Real Crime Podcast, we will be discussing the murder of Meredith Kersher and the wrongful imprisonment of Amanda Knox. Or not. <laughs> Okay, so this is nightmare fuel for me.
1: Like this this whole case is nightmare fuel for me. Uh, I can see how it would be yeah. if she were not guilty. So
0: Kristen and I, well, we're, I'm just going to start out now. Kristen and I have very differing opinions on this case. Um, which is rare. <laughs> which, yeah, usually we're like on the same side. But in this case, like we are on polar opposite sides. As a teen... My foolish mother let me go see Broke Down Palace, and I'm fairly certain that it's kind of the starting point of all of my problems in life, at least anxiety-wise. And when I heard this whole story, first the brutal murder of a woman in a foreign country and then false imprisonment of another woman, potentially – I have to appease Kristen here – who had done nothing wrong with No Way Out (laughs) – My insides squeed, which is a word that I just made up because it's the only way I could describe how I (laughs) felt. Um, What was basically supposed to be the most incredible time in the lives of two girls turned into one of the greatest tragedies I've ever heard of? Poor Meredith Kersher.
1: Definitely for Meredith Kersher. because I just want to start this out with no one wants to talk about the victim. It's all about it's all poor Amanda, little Amanda no, Knox. Okay.
0: So I I am going to go ahead and be right there with you on that because I had to look up the name of the person who was murdered because the only name that was
1: ever like really publicized was Amanda Knox. Yeah. And she's continuing that and just banking off of it. Oh this goodness. is how she's making all her money now. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, again, differing, dipin- uh differing opinions here,
0: but first uh, a little backstory. Only because I met a woman the other day who had never heard of Jean Benet. So I'm now like not just assuming that everyone as (laughs) like is as invested in this as I am. So you're you're likely more familiar with the name Amanda Knox than you are Meredith Kirscher. But typically, uh, technically speaking, Meredith was the the victim So Meredith was a British exchange student who in 2007 was studying in Perugia, Italy. Now, Perugia is about halfway between Florence and Rome and about three hours from where I was living in Italy in 2007. And I had no idea that this was going on while I was there, which is kind of crazy because I didn't speak Italian, so I couldn't read their newspapers. (laughs) So that's really what it boils down to. Um, So all of this was kind of a little too close to home. What's really funny is then once I got back to the U.S., like I heard the name, but like I hadn't followed the story, so I wasn't familiar with it. And... um yeah, so I, I didn't actually realize that there was that much overlap until like researching this. And to clarify, I was technically living in Texas, like that was my residency, um, but my husband at the time was stationed in Livorno, Italy. So I would go back and forth between the two places for huge chunks of time during our our married life. Anyway,
1: forgot that I always forget that you had a. Another husband? Another life before I a met previous you. previous husband, yes. And when you say my husband at the time, I'm like, Cole was never there. <laughs> You're like, Cole's never been to Italy. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> so Perugia is centrally located in Italy, and it's considered a smaller village in the Italian countryside. It's actually pretty close to like where my mom's family is from. Meredith had specifically chosen this exchange program because Italy had the highest safety record of all of the options. She was only 21 years old. While there, she shared a small country villa with three other girls whom she didn't know prior to this. They had the upper level of a home while a group of exchange boys lived below them. The girls got on well enough, but didn't have much time to really spend quality time together as the murder occurred shortly after their arrival. So the girls moved in together on September 20th of 2007, and Meredith was found murdered on November 2nd, 2007. So they basically had the month of October to get to know each other.
1: Which is not a long period of time. It's not a long period of time. it is if you're living with people, I feel like. You get to know someone pretty quickly. Pretty quickly.
0: That's fair. That's fair. It's been a long time since I just, like, randomly had a roommate, so. Now, in this month and a half span, the girls were living their lives, doing what young people do, with this kind of new sense of freedom. And don't listen to this like you were never young and dumb, because, like, I think we all kind of listen to things with, like, our current filter on. And I think that's what's, that's personally what Kristen is doing. And no.
1: <laughs> um, so, I'm going off DNA evidence. Okay. So <laughs> this cottage they all
0: shared was said to be in kind of a rough part of town filled with drugs and home invasions. Not loving that for a 20 something, but I can't judge. I mean, who could have known that? Now Amanda, who was also there at the time, met a man named Raphael just five days before the murder, and their whirlwind romance kind of took off. Meredith had been social with some of the gentlemen that she'd met, having a physical relationship with at least one of them. Knox described him as a, a or, so Knox described Raphael as this like Italian Harry Potter, and I literally can't unsee it. I don't know if you've seen pictures oh, no, from I've the seen point. It.
1: He literally just wears a scarf that like a striped scarf like all that, the time and glasses and just like are you he, trying? To he look like looks him? like Harry Potter. It's hysterical.
0: So over the hot and heavy 5-day relationship, the couple spent time getting to know one another and sharing drinks at the bar, La Chic, where Amanda worked in town. On the morning of November 2nd, Amanda arrived home from Raphael's house, and when she got to the cottage, the front door was ajar. So not normal to me, but to her, it seemed just fine. Then she heads to the bathroom and decides to take a shower. In the bathroom, she sees drops of blood in the sink. But again, no biggie to a 20-year-old. Then when getting out of the shower, more blood on the floor. And at this point, I'm like, okay, um, we should panic. And Sh- She doesn't. Well,
1: to be clear, that blood on the floor was actually a footprint on the bath mat. Her size foot in blood. Okay. So, okay. Walking into the shower. Okay. So. Oh, she wouldn't notice it if it was hers. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. So... <laughs> Still no panic attack. And then she starts
0: drying her hair. And when she looks over and basically finds a poo in the toilet. A poo. A poo. She finds a <laughs> poo in the toilet. And this is when the panic sets in. And like rightfully so because blood can definitely be explained away. But unflushed poo cannot. Um, it's so disturbing to me because that's like so disgusting. And it just is gross on every level to me. All of them. Yeah. But anyway. So Amanda runs to her roommate's bedroom door, but finds it locked. She dresses, then goes back to Raphael's house and brings him to the cottage where they call the police. The police break down that bedroom door and find a nude Meredith covered in blood and stab wounds. Her body was covered in a comforter from her room and she was pronounced dead at the scene. This is kind of where the madness begins. And yes, this is the point where everything should have been just a deep dive investigation into the tragic death of a 21 year old woman who was brutally stabbed to death in her own bed, but instead becomes a media circus with a focus of the victim uh, off the victim and falling onto a 20 year old American woman named Amanda Knox. Now, for anyone who has seen the footage of Amanda outside of the cottage where her friend's body was just found, you may be thinking, well, she wasn't doing herself any favors. And no, she wasn't. She was kissing her boyfriend. She was laughing with him, making odd faces, doing yoga poses. None of these are traditional grief acts that we hear about. But hear me out. And Kristen, I want you to hear me out, too. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been 20? Yes, you have. You have. Have you ever been in love, in new love, in a foreign country where nothing makes sense to you and you can't completely understand what's going on? Have you ever been a person that processes grief by laughing or joking or, you know, one of the normal
1: trauma-filled humans like myself that laugh so we don't cry, that kind of thing. Yes, but also she was making out with her boyfriend right outside the scene where uh, her roommate had just been murdered. Yeah,
0: th- okay, th- I agree. This is super, super questionable. That's
1: sociopathic behavior. It's, That's not just quirky. It's super questionable. Or a way to handle grief in a different way. That's what all of her supporters like to say because, you know. Super questionable. How else can you explain that if she's not guilty? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I I mean, I just know that like I am a laugh at funeral kind of person. Kristen looks so serious right now. I wish you guys could I see her face. I cannot stand
1: this woman. Uh, <laughs> she I don't mean Christina. No. I mean Amanda. <laughs> <Nos>. <laughs> um so yeah. Yeah. Um So
0: at this point, according to the lead investigator, Amanda was the guilty party and the reason for the Kershers' grief, and he was going to prove it by all means necessary. So Amanda and her boyfriend were almost immediately the two prime suspects in this murder, and they were both brought into the police station and interrogated for hours into the night. No food, no water, no sleep, just questions. So, I mean, frankly, if you put me in a room for, like, an hour uh, without food and water and stuff, like, I'm going to tell you whatever you want to hear so I can get myself a nap and a snacky snack for sure, especially if it's late at night. Forget it. If it's murder, though. I I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I'm hungry and sleepy because I'll do a lot of things if I'm hungry and sleepy. So prior to her being officially arrested and imprisoned, they used her every move against her. The cartwheels that she was supposedly doing outside of the police station. Apparently, this was actually her doing some yoga stretches to decrease her own stress. Her MySpace page called her Foxy Noxy, and that became the nickname used to sell papers. The lack of panic or tears, well, she seemed to smoke a decent amount of pot and had been up all night the night before doing naughty love things with her boyfriend, so maybe it was just, like, not her thinking super straight. Um, And honestly, like, if I'm even the slightest bit hungover, I could probably watch my house burn down and I wouldn't really react to it in the way that you would expect.
1: Hungover, yes. Not from pot, though.
0: Not from pot. What if I had a pot hangover?
1: Those don't exist.
0: Oh, I don't know maybe they do for me. So <laughs> So in addition to all of this because her home, her temporary home was a murder scene, um she went shopping for underpants. She wasn't allowed to go in and get clothes and the press basically told the world that she was lingerie shopping. Like was she buying saucy negligees or like thong underwear? Cause it was 2007 and thong underwear was the only underwear. So that is something that I will definitely, definitely stand by. <laughs> <laughs> so once arrested and imprisoned, she was given a physical and told that she had HIV and it was turning into full blown AIDS. Now, I kind of dive into something here cause this like stressed me out so much and I can't even imagine what this would have meant because like, so my twenties were a very colorful time, I would say. And maybe, maybe this is, maybe this is why like I think of her as innocent because I don't know. I just feel for her in a lot of ways. And so I don't know. I don't know. So I indulged my lady bits and pieces into whatever pleasure they wanted because I was 20 and I was fucking hot and I love the attention and like sex is great and like you're allowed to have it. Now, Amanda probably in your 20s, in your 20s. We have younger listeners (laughs) in your 20s. Exactly. If you're under 20, you should not have sexy tumps. Um, So Amanda probably did a bit of the same of that. And I will never forget, I had this like weird series of illness sort of thing where it was almost like I kept spiking fevers for no reason and like something was really off and I couldn't figure it out and that sort of thing. Kept going to the doctor and the doctor who had like the worst bedside manner of all time and like was literally the worst doctor in the entire world says, well, I don't think it's HIV. So can you imagine having a doctor say that to you? Because I was like, I'm sorry, what? Because like, what? So we're going to go ahead and run a test. And so they test me and I wait the three days and they're like, okay, well, we have the results. And I was like, cool, what are they? And they're like, no, we have to mail them to you. And I was like, okay, did you know that if you go into a doctor's office and you look like a crazy person and you scream at the receptionist, they will finally just open the folder and like hand you the results because – you look like a crazy person, and that was basically me in that moment. So, yeah, that was a good time. It was a good time. It's great. So, anyway, during that four day period or whatever. I like couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was afraid to go to work. I, I just didn't know what was going on. I was absolutely terrified. Now, if you imagine that you're 20 years old, you barely speak a language. You've just witnessed the death of your roommate. You've been interrogated. You've been arrested, smeared publicly all over the country and world. And now you're stuck alone in a cell in prison in Italy, being told that you're going to die from an illness. Like, my head is exploding thinking about the fear that that like induces within me. And that, to me, is the nightmare fuel. That's what terrifies me. So Amanda used this time to journal. She dot- jotted down names of people that she'd slept with, anyone who she did or didn't use protection with. And then they found that journal and they published it. So like, I don't even think I know the names of all the people that I've slept with, let alone having the world know all the names of the people that I've slept with. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, I said what I said.
1: So <laughs> no, no, that's not it's just um, why would you just make a list of the people you've slept with? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. And the handwriting that she used in the journal was not her normal handwriting. Like she was a different person writing. Interesting. It was super neat for people to be able to read, whereas her normal handwriting was not. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Why would you change it and make it neater for people to read if you didn't want people to read it? And why would you leave your journal out for people to take? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I can't answer all those questions because I wasn't there. None of her supporters can. Oh, my God. Kristen's being such a bee right now. (laughs) She's like scary. So after all this, she now has to go on trial for the murder of her roommate. Now, in this time frame, there is DNA pulled from the crime scene, and the investigators claim that at least three people participated in the murder, and the DNA found belonged to Rafael, Amanda and a third man,
1: Rudy Guede, who I believe in. Guede is what I've heard. Guede but I've also heard it like three other ways. So okay. I've never heard him say it. So I'm going to say know. Rudy G'day then. I like <laughs> that. Uh, Rudy gets a fast track
0: trial as his DNA is found inside of Meredith. He's found guilty for her murder and sentenced to 30 years. So I'm sure kind of everyone was thinking, okay, cool. Like, that's it. Then Amanda and Raphael, they're out. But no.
1: Why would they be out if their DNA was also found? Because she lived Only there. one person can... On- Her DNA was found on the knife used to kill her. Right. But like maybe she used that knife at a different time. It was still knife. Okay.
0: Okay. So after 14 months of her life in jail, they start the trial. Both she and Raphael are convicted and sentenced to 25 and 26 years respectively in jail. There's an immediate appeal, which now the testimony of a prison mate or Rudy's of Rudy's stating that, um, he said Amanda and Raphael were innocent, which Rudy then denies after the fact. So the DNA was tested by an impartial third party, and they realized it's all a fucking mess. All of
1: this is a mess because the police didn't do their job They didn't do anything. No. As I, it's just, I'm getting so tired of saying that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's true. It's true. And it's like, granted, we're in a totally different country, and this is a small town in Italy, and so, like, maybe they've never dealt with it. But at the same time, like, I feel like you should always have a protocol, and you just open the book, and you follow the protocol. You know what I mean? Like, it should be that. They let like the roommates go in and out of this
1: they let murder scene all sorts of people go in and out of the murder scene like it was never closed off i so, mean her the, meredith's room was closed off but that the rest the of rest the rest of the house like, wasn't you wouldn't be able to find there was a broken window and that looked to be staged but to others it didn't seem to be staged in mm-hmm. one of the roommates bedrooms i mean it was just a freaking mess it was it was completely So the guilty
0: verdict at this point is overturned, and the two are to be tried again. Amanda Knox didn't wait around for that second trial and instead hightailed it back to Seattle. Then in 2014, without being there for the trial, Amanda is convicted again, as is Raphael. Then in 2015, those convictions were once again overturned. In 2019, Italy was ordered to pay Amanda Knox back for the unfairness of the trial and interrogation process. And I'm just curious, like, what would you think the amount would be for something like this? Granted, you don't think she's guilty, so you're like, no she could money get at a all, a dollar for all yeah. I care. So it was twenty thousand dollars, which is not even a down payment on a house. Um As for today, Amanda Knox is a journalist. She's a public speaker and a podcaster. A true crime podcaster. Can you believe it? (laughs) She's written at least one book about her ordeal and still lives in Seattle. She and Raphael didn't make it. um, And he still basically looks like Harry Potter, but without the glasses, if anybody's curious. He doesn't wear the scarf anymore either. No. That I saw. Are we
1: going to talk about any of the evidence? Or are we just going to say she's not guilty the whole podcast?
0: I don't you could you
1: could talk about whatever you'd like absolutely. I just kind of summarized the the case of it if you will. So, okay, so the evidence, the yes. Meredith had been stabbed 40 plus times mm-hmm. and the knife used was found in the boyfriend Solicitos' apartment. It was his knife and Amanda and Solicitos' DNA were found on the handle of it and Meredith, the victim, her blood was found on the blade. Right why if they didn't like why i don't know also there was a footprint size whatever amanda's shoe size is uh bloody and meredith's blood on a pillow that was found next to her body um what else oh when they were being questioned there was an interpreter there like english to italian but everyone likes including amanda likes to say she was confused and lost in translation but um she had someone get telling her what no. they were saying in English, also Amanda spoke Italian
0: now I'm see, I have always seen reports that there was never an interpreter there,
1: yes, and those are reports on who reported those there's a new documentary out that Amanda Knox herself has like produced produced, yeah, yeah, and she completely manipulates everything to make it seem like she's not guilty, and I couldn't even finish it okay I would, okay I was so angry with this TV her face, oh my God, I can't. <laughs> she just got away with murder and she also when she was being questioned solicito literally said to the police i don't know why i told you like the next day after he had slept and come back to it and right right, right, right. Eaten and everything he said i don't know why i told you what i told you yesterday meaning not guilty uh, amanda told me to lie to you and all of that was a lie he just came out and said it but no one likes to talk about that huh interesting also, I'm, like, getting all heated oh, She's
0: so <laughs> fired up, guys. I wish you could see this. Like, um, I haven't had enough coffee for this.
1: <laughs> I told you this one was going to be... I, I cannot I wait no for idea. this one to be over. I'm I so sick no of idea. listening, because every podcast that I listen to is like, oh, she's innocent and blah, blah, blah. I can't believe this happened to her. Oh, my God. Okay, well, oh it God. happened to her because she freaking killed someone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, so while she was being questioned, she... Said her boss from the place that she worked was somehow, um, he was the killer and he was the one who did it. But he was at the bar that night. So he actually got arrested. Right. Which, again, terrible police work because they didn't check into any of his alibis before arresting him. Right. He was at the bar the entire time. And people were like, no, he
0: served me drinks during that time
1: frame. Right. Yeah. So he was let go. But she was also, she was actually found guilty of defamation of character for him and ordered to prison time for that so mm-hmm. the time that she actually served in prison was not wrongful because that's the time she would have served for him so okay she was never wrongfully imprisoned okay okay but she likes to tell everyone she was okay all right interesting and interesting. that's all i'm going to say right now because this she's gets fired up she's <laughs> fired
0: up now as for the home where meredith was murdered can you believe that it's sold twice two times
1: So the house was actually
0: returned to the owner in 2009 and at that point it was rented out to students and visitors to the country.
1: Oh, so more people can be murdered. Exactly. (laughs) Um, It was also broken into
0: all the time by apparent Satanists, according to an article by the Daily Mail, which, you know, whatever. In 2015, it was purchased and then in 2018, it was put back up for sale. So the sale price was listed at 260,000 euros and at the time it was just under 300,000. Today that value would be about 280,000 because the value of the euro is adjusted a bit. It appears to have sold or gone off the market, but I can't Im- like I can't imagine that it's a place that people are going to want to stay. I
1: right? I mean, nothing surprises me at this point after how many episodes we've done. No, there it's people true. people buy murder it, exactly. houses. It's like, so it's true. Literally what we talk about at the end of every episode. Right. Right. But I don't know why Why you would want to. I don't know. I don't it's know. really freaky, man. I mean, that is be and fair, you and I want to go to the Lizzie Borden house. Why? I don't know.
0: We do want to go to the Lizzie Borden house, but maybe it's because like it happened so long ago and yeah. these cases are so fresh. Like, it's not haunted history it's like haunted yesterday you know <laughs> like it's kind of creepy i'm not sure
1: yeah and for anyone that wants to dive deeper meredith kersher's family actually have a website put together of mm-hmm. all of the evidence all of the court documents it's like a heaven for anyone that wants to deep dive and look at everything that has to do with this case at all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and i should probably have the name of it ready to you, go should, you should you should absolutely it's, I can put it in the show notes, though. Okay, yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, But that's where I got a lot of my information. So Meredith Kirscher's family still very much believes that Amanda killed their daughter.
0: Interesting. Very, very
1: interesting. But the website is not biased at all. It's just the evidence. There's no evidence. Okay. Nothing written. Okay. It's just, like, links to evidence.
0: That, like, these are different pieces of evidence. Okay. Excellent. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for enlightening us on yeah, that no problem. aspect. <laughs> I'm so scared of her right now, guys. Like, get me out of this room. It's terrifying. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. And we will be back next week. We'll be back next week with a lighter one because I'm so excited no one about dies. this one. No one dies. Yeah. No one <laughs> dies in our next episode. And I'm literally so excited because it's, oh my God. I just can't wait to cover it. I'm yeah. so excited. It's going to be so much fun. So, like, tune in for sure. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.